Hi, welcome to the Dartarian Show. I'm Alexander Dartarian. And I'm Dominic Sykes. And today we're doing part two of James D'Angelo Jr. The Golden State Killer. Yes, sir. Also, the Vasilla Ransacker, East Early East Area Rapist, East Side Rapist, East Bay Race Rapist, Creek Bed Killer, Diamond Knot Killer, Night Stalker, Original Night Stalker, Aaron's, and the Golden State Killer. Man of many names. Yes. His occupation was a police officer and a mechanic. And believe it or not, he was married and had a family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when they, he was arrested, they asked family. His eldest daughter thought he was the perfect father, and his wife always believed him when he said he had to go like yeah. out of town and stuff for yeah. various reasons. Just, they thought it was all normal. Most, most serial killers' families don't know. Yeah. And it's it's which is kind of weird. Uh, so in this part two episode, we're gonna do the investigation, uh, his communications with the people uh, after his crimes, yeah, and Court. what led to his arrest, and maybe a theory, a couple theories on why he stopped killing from yeah. 1986 until he was caught in 2018, right. So let's get into the investigation. Uh, most of like the rape, the East Side rape or East Side rapists and the original Night Stalkers weren't even wasn't even linked together. Like they're perpetrated by the same person until two thousand one. So they thought they were a bunch of different people. Yeah, they just thought like people were just you know raping and yeah. breaking crime in. was going rampant or whatever. Yeah, so. Uh, in 2001, DNA linked them both together uh, to be the same person. They right. still didn't know who it was yet. But they did figure out that it was one individual and not several. Yeah. Which um, is good, but that's like a long time to get that step because of, I, I, it's cause of the DNA, really. it's yeah. When DNA came ar- around uh, and became a thing... Th- which was until was the just, 90s, the late, yeah. the mid to late 90s. It yeah. completely changed the game. Yeah. And some law enforcement officials, particularly the Sacramento County Sheriff's Department, sought to link the Galito cases as well, the murders. Mm-hmm. Uh, the links were primary due to the similarities of MO. Yep. Because um, they had already linked one of the original Night Stalker double murders that occurred in Ventura, 40 miles southeast of Galito. Yeah. With. with the DNA. Yeah. So they were also trying to figure out, okay, well, we got the rapes connected. Now we're going to see if these murders also. Yeah. Uh, and and DNA was popping up and just connecting them all. Yeah. And, and so. of course, he probably, he thought of a lot of stuff. Obviously, he was very careful and, and, and you know, knew basically what he was doing. Um, he probably didn't even think of DNA, you know, leaving DNA at the crime scenes. Because yeah. it's not, it wasn't a thing. Well, I mean, uh, he in our last episode we talked about him being an officer of the law. He was uh, in the the robbery uh, department and everything, so yeah. like he used that experience to basically get away with his crimes. Right. He didn't leave any evidence but DNA because he wasn't trained that DNA. I'm sure if he was a cop well, yeah. now, yeah, he would leave DNA. Exactly. Well, criminals uh, now, you know, they'll they'll wear gloves or or stuff like that because they know DNA is a thing now. You know, they're they're careful with that kind of stuff. Back then, they didn't have DNA, so they wouldn't have been, you know, wouldn't have been careful. And the cool thing about the DNA is that you can go back 
and look at something that happened 30, 40 years ago, you know, and be able to um, link stuff. Which I just thought, you know, yeah. is pretty neat. Yeah, because like once they take the DNA and they if they store it properly, it can last for a very, very long time. Right. Uh, so let's get into the communications of the night, the original Night Stalker and the Golden State Killer. Uh, he called them like on March eighteenth, nineteen seventy seven. He he literally called the police. The Sacramento County Sheriff received three calls from a man claiming to the east, claiming to be the East Area Rapist. None were recorded. The first two calls received at 4.15 and 4.30 p.m. were identical and ended with a caller laughing and hanging up. Mm. The final call came at 5 p.m. with the caller saying, I'm the East Side Rapist and I have my next victim already stocked and you guys can't catch me. Wow. He got bored one day and was like, hmm. well, it's more like a power trip. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, I'm so smart. You can't catch me. Yep. Uh, and this is when he was just raping. He hadn't even gotten to the murders yet. Right. There was another one that did that too. Um, that was leaving. Well, the BTK teller, Gary Keller would leave uh, notes, but like letters one. and stuff in the cereal box. There's, Jack, no, Jack the Ripper is probably the first and the, like the most infamous for writing letters to the police. Yeah. So the Zodiac, which is also yeah. very, very, uh, his basically, it was, I, when I think of uh, the Zodiac killer, one of the things that I connect almost, uh, immediately is the Riddler from Batman. Yeah. He does have like a Batman, like if, if we were, if we were like a Batman at, yeah. villain, yeah. If we were looking at like the serial killers, like villains from Batman, definitely, uh, he would be the Riddler. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I know I'm going off on Ed Kemper. Ed Kemper so. would be Bane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, the next call came December 2nd, 1977. A man claiming to be the rapist called the Sacramento Police Department saying, you're never going to catch me, East Area Rapist, you dumb fuckers. <laughs> I'm going to fuck you again tonight. Be careful. God, the call man. was recorded and later released. As with the previous call, the next victim was attacked that night. Wow. Uh, the next call was received on December 9th, 1977. During the 1977 Christmas season, a previous victim received a phone call that she attributed to her attacker. The caller said, Merry Christmas, it's me again. Oh my god, he's freaking creepy. Yeah, so he's not just calling the police, he's calling his victims. Yeah. Like of the ones that survived, anyway. yeah, the rapist victims. Uh, shortly before 10 p.m. on December 10th, 1977, Sacramento authorities received two identical calls saying, "I'm going to hit tonight, Walt Avenue." Wow. Both were recorded, and the caller was identified as the same person who placed not, the call on December 2nd. Did they not like? get the call and then I, if I were especially with having the previous calls if I were the, the cops I would go to the place that he said he was going to kill at and I mean Wall Avenue is a whole and road. stake it out you know yeah, and because can't... he's he says he does it he's going to do it and then he does it in the place that he does it so going off that pattern you know why would they not go to the place and I don't know how big Wall Avenue is but if it's like if it's like a main street or whatever mm -hmm. I mean that's that could be like five or six miles. Yeah. So it's, I mean, 
Law enforcement patrols were increased that night. Right. And at 2.30 a.m., a masked man eluded officers after being seen bicycling uh, on Walt Avenue Bridge. Yeah, he when good. spotted again at 4.30 a.m., he discarded the bicycle and fled on foot. The bicycle had been stolen. Man, and they couldn't catch him? No. Oh, man. The first known rape victim received a wrong number call asking for Ray on January 2nd, 1978. The call was recorded, and the police suspect that it may be the same caller who had made threatening calls to her later that evening. Mm-hmm. That call was also recorded and identified by the victim as the voice of her assailant. The caller said, Gonna kill you. Gonna kill you. Gonna kill you. It's like a freaking horror movie, dude. Bitch, 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 bitch. Fucking whore. Wow. Yeah. This dude's got some serious issues. Yep. That was... Oh, God. Uh, a man claiming to be the East Area Rapist called the Contact Counseling Service and said, I have a problem. I need help because I don't want to do this anymore. Hmm. After a short conversation, the caller said, I believe you are tracing this call and hung up. So he called the Counseling Service yeah, on January like, 6th. Do you think it was an actual plea for help or was he just doing another taunting thing? Like, uh, I... I don't give a shit, you know, what people think about me, you know, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and, and pretend like I need help just to taunt them, you know. I don't know. That could have been a fake call, too. So with with these kind of calls and stuff, and if they mediaize them, like, you get copycat calls yeah, all the time. Yeah. Like, uh, there, there was this killer in England where one person, they thought it was one person that called. Right. And it was a hoax. Oh, man. But because they were... They interviewed the real killer, and because his voice didn't match the fake call, mm-hmm. they let him go, and he killed more victims. Oh, no. Yeah. So, like, hoax calls cost people's lives. Yeah. So it's it's really important that, you know, don't make fake calls to the police pretending you're a killer. Yeah, like, really? I know you want that fame or whatever, or you just, you're bored or whatever, but don't do it because it does cost people lives. Yeah. Uh, in 1982, the previous victim received a call at her place of work, a Denny's restaurant, during which the rapist threatened to rape her again, according to Contra Costa County investigator Paul Hose. Holes, sorry. Uh, the rapist must have changed the to patronize the restaurant and recognize this victim there. Mm-hmm. In 1991, a previous victim received a phone call from a perpetrator and spoke with him for one minute. She could hear a woman and children in the background, leading to the speculation he had a family. Oh, wow. So he's calling after he stopped killing. He stopped killing in 1986. So he so it, he called. Yeah, okay. Like, I so, guess like when he got that urge, he just called somebody. Yeah, so instead of going out and killing and raping again, he just calls previous victims to try to get that, that thrill of... You yeah. know, saying that they get it for the trophies or whatever. They yeah, have yeah. That, that revisiting... Power, that power the, trip, yeah. So... So maybe that's why he stopped killing. Maybe that. Maybe that's one of the theories. Yeah, that's crazy. I... Uh, the final call was in on October, uh, April sixth, two thousand one. One day after an article in the Sacramento Bee linked to the original Night Stalker and the East Area Rapist, a victim of the rapist received a call from him. He asked, "Remember when we played?" Oh. So he saw in the news that they were. Their link. So he's like, let, let me make a call. So <laughs> they did not 
have him as a suspect. Like at all. At all. And they didn't. <coughs> this investigation of this process, the, the only one who really tried to find this person, in my opinion, is Patton Oswalt's wife. Yeah, she wrote a book about it. Yeah, well, she was writing a book. She yeah. never finished it. Um, Patton Oswalt and another ghostwriter helped yeah. finish it. But, uh, yeah, so literally, I mean... I Okay, so how did they find him? Uh, I know they used the DNA by uh, getting DNA from a family member and matching it up and all that stuff. But what led to that train of... Uh, even looking into that that part there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, after it wasn't until 2016 they started like getting some breaks. Mm -hmm. On June 15, 2016, the FBI released further information related to the crimes, including new composite sketches and crime details. A $50,000 reward was also announced. Wow. The initiative included a national database to support law enforcement's investigating of the crimes to handle tips and information. Yeah. Eventually, through the use of genetic genealogy searching a GED match, investigators identified distant relatives of D'Angelo, including family members directly related to his great-great-great-great-grandfather, Right. Dating back to the 1800s. So, but how do they link it to him? That's what I'm curious you, about. They all have markers. Based on this information, investigators built about 25 different family trees. That, that The tree that eventually linked D'Angelo alone contained approximately 1,000 people. Wow. Over how, the, how did they filter that out? Over the course of a few months, investigators used other clues like age, sex, and place of residence to rule out suspects populating these trees. Eliminating suspects one by one until only okay. D'Angelo remained. Wow. So they like they went through his entire family yeah, tree, like a thousand people, people, and then was like, okay, well, he had to be this age, this sex, this obviously yeah. would have to be so male. Out of the uh... out of a thousand people, they narrowed it down to one person. That's crazy. During the investigation, several people were considered and later eliminated as suspects. Okay, so once they figure or they pretty much figured out it was D'Angelo, they just took how did they get his DNA? Did they, they get a warrant and go and, and get it from him and match it there or I th basically what they did was they rooted it through a stretch. Okay. Yeah. Uh Brett Glasby from Galito was considered a suspect by Santa Barbara County investigators. He was murdered in Mexico in 1982 before the murder of Janelle, uh, Janelle Cruz, yeah. eliminating him at eliminating him as a suspect. Those yeah, murders happened afterwards. Right. Paul Cornfed Snyder, a <laughs> Cornfed Snyder, <laughs> oh my god, a high-ranking member of the Aryan Brotherhood. Of course, <laughs> Cornfed. Skinhead was <laughs> living in Orange County when the Harringtons, Manuela Whithone, and Janelle Cruz were killed. A DNA test cleared him in the 90s. Mm. Joe Elsip, a friend and business partner of the victim Lyman Smith, Elsip's pastor said that Elsip had confessed to him during a family counseling session. Elsip mm. was arraigned for the Smith murders in 1982, but the charges were later dropped and his innocence was confirmed by DNA testing in 1997. But he, he was in jail for nothing? Well, the charges were later dropped. They, they charged him. They didn't 
they didn't actually put him yeah, in jail. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. if, he, if he had been in jail, yeah, they would have cleared him. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, but in that in cases like that, can can they sue? Yes, and okay, and they get yes, money they for do. that. Um, I mean, when you sue a state or the federal government, they can tie it up in court for like. Yeah, years but do years they, they take years away, years especially years. if it's like, okay, say like I get charged for murder, for murder I didn't commit, right? Mm-hmm. They finally figured it out, but I've already been in jail for like 20 years. Most of the time, it's then, settled out of court. I know there was, I've seen a dude recently on like, uh, I think it was either America's Got Talent or one of those shows like that that had... Uh, yeah, that he was charged with innocent. a murder or something. For yeah. hours. He was charged with the crime and he spent 25 years in prison. Yeah, and then I was like, that's 25 years of your life you can't get back. Yeah, most of the time they do. If you sue them, they do set out of court. Um, I know this one guy, he got charged for, I think, like, possession of marijuana, and he was, like, in jail for 10 years. That's bullshit. And he got out and sued, and they they settled it. It was, like, $3.2 million. Yeah. So, I mean... It, I'd sue. Yeah. 100%. So would I, man. That's, like... <laughs> like, if you're in jail for, like, more than a year, I believe. Yeah. Just a year. Like, over a year. Like, that kind of... That changes your life forever. For because, real. like, you get... Basically, I mean, I don't know if it's like the movies or I've seen like 60 Days In or whatever. Well, on there's, TV. Uh, there's a bunch of people that talk about their experiences in jail. Yeah. Like it seems like it's, on, it's so. a very difficult time to adjust to outside. Yeah, for sure. Outside they, and inside. I mean, like, I, I'm, the rapes happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, especially if you're accused of a crime that you didn't commit and it's like something bad, like yeah. murdering a child or something. Yeah. Yep, they're going to kill you. Yep. All right, sorry. Didn't mean to. Uh, on April twenty fourth, two thousand eighteen, Sacramento County Sheriff's deputies arrested D'Angelo, and he was charged with eight counts of first degree murder with special circumstances. Mm. On May tenth, the Santa Barbara County District Attorney's Office charged D'Angelo with four additional counts of first degree murder. Well, add in the total to. Yeah. <laughs> Identification of D'Angelo had begun four months earlier with officials led by Detective Paul Holes and FBI lawyer Steve Kramer uploaded the, uploaded the killer's DNA from the Ventura County Rape Kit to the personal genomics website GED Match. Wow. The website identified 10 to 20 people who had the same great, 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 great grandparents as the great Golden State Killer. Yeah. A team of five investigators working with genealogist Barbara Ray Venter used the, this list to construct a large family tree. From this tree, they established two suspects. One was rolled out by a relative's DNA test, leaving D'Angelo as the main suspect. Yep. On April 18th, a DNA sample was surreptitiously collected from the door handle of D'Angelo's car. Mm. Another sample was later collected from a tissue found in D'Angelo's curbside garbage can. Yep. I was right about the garbage can. But that's most of the time. Because once you throw stuff out and it goes to the curb, it's free game. Yep. Pretty much. Both were matched to the samples associated with the Golden State Killer crimes. Since D'Angelo's arrest, some commentators have raised concerns about the ethics of the secondary use of personal identified information. What? Basically, like, those 23andMe sites, when you put your DNA in there, they can take that DNA and use it to charge you for a crime. Yeah. I, in my personal opinion, I think everyone absolutely should have to give their DNA anyways. 
I mean, if you're doing everything wrong, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I make the, they, make, they make the argument like, well, they can frame you. And I was just like, okay. Like, well, yeah, they could. They could They do could that. frame you, yes. But, I didn't think about that. Yeah, they could frame you. But, I mean, like, look, how many rapes will be solved? Yeah, a lot. A lot. Everyone who's ever been raped, who's been, came forward and, you know. They get the rape kit out. Yeah, they get the rape kit out. DNA they and give they all of those. instantly match it with. Women, men, and children closure yeah, and justice exactly well if you have if literally everybody on the planet right has to give their dna then everybody's dna is in the database yeah i think and I, you can instantly match that dna with, i don't think it would stop rape but i think it would stop some well you'd have to not only change that system too but you'd also have to wait you'd have to completely change the way the prison system works because it's just not it would work i don't think like all right, this is going to be on a tangent or whatever, but uh, possession, like, if, under the influence card. of drugs <laughs> or possession of drugs, I don't think that you should go to jail. Right. I think they should either put you in a drunk tank, a rehab or center, just take your drugs, some kind of yeah, rehab. Yeah, rehab. I like, don't think you should go to jail. Mandatory, like, lockdown rehab. For not... any, like, if you're trafficking large amounts of drugs, yeah, I think you should go to jail. Right. But, like... You know, if you just have like a bag of weed on you or a, a thing of coke, well, like we slowly get. Yeah, yeah, you know. I understand. Weed's mostly legal places uh, for places, but like an eight ball of coke, I don't think you should go to jail for all that long. I don't, I don't think you should just like they should take it. Put well, you it also head. depends on like what what you know. If you're just if you just had it, or if you had it on you while you were doing a violent crime or something like that, it'd be different. Yeah, yeah, that would be different. Uh, D'Angelo made the confession of sorts after his arrest that cryptically referred to the inner personality named Jerry. What? Most most serial killers confess like this. Yeah. Who had? Like, yeah, that is weird. I didn't even think about that. That they it, do. It disassociates them. Exactly. They disassociate with it. It's like they're they're talking in a third person. Yeah. It's just a way that they can be like, oh, well, I just still didn't do anything. Or it yeah, was Jerry. I didn't do it. I it was Jerry. Didn't even think about that. Who had forced them to commit the wave of crimes that ended abruptly in 1986. According to Sacramento County Prosecutor, Thien Ho, D'Angelo said the following. I thought you were going to say something about that. <laughs> I name. was thinking he about it. The following I, I himself while alone in a police interrogation room after his arrest in April 2018. I didn't have the strength to push him out. He made me. He went with me. It was like my head. I mean, he's a part of me. I didn't want to do these things. I pushed Jerry out and had a happy life. I did all of the things. I destroyed all those lives. So now I've got to pay the price. Hmm. This dude's full of shit. Wow. Although, that's one, th I guess that's another that's theory. theory. Why stop? Maybe, Maybe he managed to stop the get voice. rid of Jerry. Yeah, or he got on medicine or something. Maybe he uh, went and saw a therapist finally and, and got... Yeah, but if you if you tell a therapist that you've murdered people, it's their well. He might not have told. He might not have told her or, or that the therapist. Sorry, that uh, he was killing. He could have just said something about the voice or something. That the voice is telling him to do stuff. Then he got medicated for it and didn't need to kill anymore. But yeah. that also, you know, doesn't really fit the yeah, him calling the victim. Mental. It, a lot of people mis are mistake that mental illness does not inherently make you violent right no no actually the high percentage of mental illness is non-violent right. so uh d'angelo could not be charged with rapes or the uh the robberies 
as the statute of limitations has expired for those offenses, which oh, kind of sucks. Wow. That, that sucks, especially with the rape. I don't think there Can should be a imagine the family? There should not there be, be no a statutory uh, limitation on rape. No. I'm sorry. That should be like murder. Yeah. It should be lifetime. Uh, but he was charged with 13 counts of murder and 13 counts of kidnapping. Kidnapping. Mm-hmm. D'Angelo was arraigned in Sacramento on August 23rd, 2018. In November 2018, prosecutor, prosecutors from six involved counties collectively estimated that the cases could cost the taxpayers $20 million Whoa. and last 10 years. Whoa. God. Yeah. At an April 10th, 2019 court proceeding, prosecutors announced that they would seek the death penalty. For sure. And the judge ruled that cameras could be allowed inside the courtroom during the trial. Mm-hmm. On March 4th, 2000, or 2020, D'Angelo offered to plead guilty if the death penalty was taken off the table, which right. was not accepted at that time. Mm-hmm. On June 29th, as part of a plea bargain to avoid the death penalty, D'Angelo pleaded guilty to 13 counts of first-degree murder and special circumstances, including murder committed during robberies. I love rapes. that. Pisses me off so bad. You know, the the, the ones that fucking uh, kill, you know, a bunch of people, right? Mm-hmm. And then they get finally get caught, and they get sentenced, and they're like, "Oh no, I don't want to die. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna plead guilty, you know, so that I can get out of the death penalty and just you know live my life in jail." That's bullshit. Yeah, there's be some able serial to... killers that do that, and there's also some serial killers that want to die. Like Ed Kemper, this shouldn't be wanted to be that crap. Yeah, wanted to be executed by death by torture. Yeah, yeah, that's different. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a little bit weird, different. but I think he was he was full of crap just, too. It makes me mad that they can even that they, <laughs> they can that, even make that deal. Yeah, yes, because it's just. But I mean, yeah, but if he, if they if he would have got the death penalty, he'd still. Like as old as he is, yeah, he still got away. He still would have died before he got committed. For sure, penalty. yeah. Because uh, he got appeals and everything. On August twenty first, twenty twenty, D'Angelo received multiple consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. Mm-hmm. D'Angelo offered a brief apology after listening to days of pre-sentencing victim impact statements. Yeah. I've listened to all of your statements, each one of them, and I'm truly sorry to no, everyone I've hurt. No, he's not. He's sorry. Yeah, he's sorry he got caught. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so in November 2020, D'Angelo was transferred to North Kern State Prison. Mm-hmm. And as of February 20, uh, 2021, D'Angelo was incarcerated in protective custody. Oh, God. At California State Prison. Yeah, because he's an ancient old man now. Yeah, and he would definitely be killed because they do not like yeah, is, women killers. It's just absolutely ridiculous. He, the fact that he got, he basically got away with it. I mean, yeah, he's in jail, but he lived yeah. his pretty much his entire, his entire life, life free. Yep, he's seventy six. It's ridiculous right now. So uh, he has three children, and she can only imagine divorced how... him when he was arrested. Yeah, for sure. I can only imagine how they. How they feel about the whole thing. So he has 12 life sentences plus 8 years. Mm-hmm. Why plus 8 years? <laughs> the, the random 8 years. It's, it's, pro- it's the because of the charges. <laughs> yeah. Like they all have individual things. So I wouldn't say that he's the most prolific killer. Because he only had 13. 
body counts, but, but he the fact probably he got away the with most prolific rapist. Well, yeah, and the fact that he got away with it for as long as yeah, he did. Yeah, absolutely. He, he lasted longer than any of the other ones. No, Zodiac still not been caught. That's true, too. Yeah, I forgot about the Zodiac. So, the Zodiac has not been caught. I, th- I He's probably dead. Oh, well, he's been dead. I don't know. Probably. But, oh, going back to the theories. I forgot about the theories. I'm yeah, sorry. Theories, theories. Uh, one of the theories is that he had a family and it took up his time. Yeah. And the phone calls kind of sustained him. Uh, another theory is what you said that he got a medicine and the urgings went away. Right. And, but the third theory is that something happened to him to physically, because it was a hard job because he had to subdue the man. Right. And a, a lot of, uh, multiple times, the men have fought back and hurt him. Yeah. And, uh, maybe he got to the well, point where, to he, where he couldn't control the man anymore. Yeah. So he didn't want to risk. Yeah. So, or, or he had too many close calls. Yeah, but that doesn't make sense because if that was the case, he just picked easier victims. That and, I mean, if you think about it, because, like, his MO would have to change as the older he got. His victims would have to get older. Yeah. So he could subdue them longer and stuff. But the DNA would have, yeah, would have caught him. So, he, yeah, he hasn't killed anybody since 1986. That's crazy. That we know of, that we haven't found. He I might like, have changed his MO completely and just started my, killing prostitutes. I think the, the best theory is the fact that he had the family and the, the phone calls sustained him, I think, is probably the yeah. most logical one. Or he just, he probably but, hurt himself, couldn't kill anymore. And, yeah. The phone calls had to sub- or suffice. I wonder if there were any other or maybe that started killing and then stopped. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, there's like uh, Dennis Radar. He stopped forever. Yeah. Too. I mean, there's some serial killers that they can just not. Maybe it's like a. I don't know. That's weird. I I think that like the fact they, that he was getting enough. away with it, you know, like, yeah, that kind of sustained him too. We do not know enough about, in my opinion, about serial killers and how they work and I think that's why they're so fascinating because we don't know how they yeah. work. I mean I'm sure there there's because they have um what do they call it? Uh brain doctors. Neurologists? No, 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 no. Uh for psychology. Psychiatrists? Yeah. That's the psychologists and psychiatrists, the only difference is, is that but, I mean the ones that study the um the psychopaths. Uh, specifically, I I don't is have there any uh, specific profession for that or psychology or psychologist. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Really? Yeah, psychiatry. I thought there was a special a specialization though that where they. Hang there on there probably is. You, you keep going. I'm gonna look into it real quick. Well, I was gonna announce our uh, our yearly giveaway. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Um. So. What we do is every year we give away a thing of merch. I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, so the winner this year is April from Texas. April from Texas. Congratulations. Yes. yes. Thank you for being a listener. And uh, we appreciate you following us and, and interacting with us and everything. Absolutely. Uh, we always like our feedback. and you know. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, congratulations, April. We're going to send that out to you as soon as possible uh and you know thanks for being a listener we thanks, great, indeed greatly appreciate it uh it, next year if you guys want to get in on that contest just become a follower on instagram uh subscriber on youtube uh if you subscribe to our patreon 
uh, you get put in twice. Yes. So, you know, the double. more times your name's in there, the more likely yeah. you're going to get picked. And each tier gets you uh, the first tier, the five dollar one, it gets you uh, your extra name, your name in there extra one time, and then the, the higher tier gets you put in three times. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and we might have more giveaways throughout the year. We yeah, don't know yet. More than one, you know, yeah. Coming up. So, and with for different things. Uh, so, you know. The, the Patreon, if you want to get your names in there more. Uh, uh, we also lower the prices on a lot of our stuff on the store. So if you guys want to you know, get some, some merch, some Dartarian show merch, definitely get that because we lower the prices for that. And also, October, it's going to be our spooky, spooky month. We're going to have a lot month. of... Yep, we're going to have some great episodes. We're going to have five, about five spooky-themed episodes. It's the best time. Yeah, and I think Ashton's going to make us some exclusive merch. Ooh, Halloween merch. For Halloween merch. And Sweet. our our logo might change. All right. For Halloween. So, yeah, I'm excited, too. I'm, I'm super excited. By the way, uh, it is a forensic uh, psychologist or behavioral, an- behavioral analyst is what I was looking Oh, okay. Yeah, I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> like a psychologist. So, um, yeah. So, congratulations, April. Yeah, that definitely gonna, and we're gonna share a picture. Hopefully, uh, she'll take a picture and send it to us so we can put that up that on, on Instagram and stuff. Uh, so do, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Or no, I think we we did pretty pretty good with this. Uh, figuring out you know why he did what he did. And yeah, like uh, Golden State Killer. That was uh, part two, and next episode we're gonna be talking about Urban Legends Canada. Yep. Going, going to the great wilderness of the northern country of America, like next to America, yeah. North of America. I don't know what it's called. What, what, what's, the, what's the what's the thing called? Is it the Great Wilderness? What is it? Canada. Yeah. What's the what's the country's motto? I don't know. I don't know either. All right. <laughs> well, we'll see you next episode for Urban Legends Canada. Thanks for listening.